Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, and we will continue, actually pick up. We've been, uh, I've been, I stepped out of here on Wednesday nights for a month. February is a month of love, right? So I was spreading the love around, and if I, I thought, you know, well, just give, give everybody an opportunity. Now, I was busy, a lot of stuff going on, give the other guys an opportunity uh, to preach, and you guys to hear them, and also for me to get a bunch of stuff done that needed to get done, so... Uh, but we're going to jump back in this, and uh, in the last message that we were uh, in, uh, we saw number 32, love rule number 32, and uh, it was talking about children's responsibility to obey their mother and father, and the promises that are associated with that, and uh, again, we've seen along the way in, these, in this relational section of Ephesians, uh, the first person in each of the relationship, their responsibility is to yield to or submit to uh, the second person's uh, leadership in that relationship and of course that second person has that responsibility of leadership uh, again be it a, a husband and wife or as we are seeing a, a son or daughter and a mother and father um, and then tonight we're going to see that second part of the relationship in the home uh, the father's responsibility so let's pray and we'll get into this father thank you so much for this time thank you for allowing us to be in your house thank you for allowing us to uh, worship you and um, we're just thankful for this, uh, this great privilege, this freedom that we have. And I uh, pray tonight that you would just use me as a vessel, that you'd be glorified in everything that's said. Lord, and I pray also that our response to your word uh, would be what's pleasing to you. And uh, Lord, that we would uh, specifically as men, as fathers in here, grandfathers in here, uh, we'd realize this great responsibility and great privilege that you've given to us. But further than that, Lord, the home's responsibility uh, Christian homes responsibility, including mothers, including grandmothers. Uh, God, help us to see how important this is and, and, and what depends upon our, our response to your word here. And, um, well, we, uh, again, we thank you uh, for this opportunity. We ask you to bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read verse 4, and that's it. It says, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Now, we know there's an entire bag of things that, things that come along uh, with this, and we're going to get into a little of it tonight. But by God's design, uh, God's will is that there's one man and one woman. That from the beginning, made he male and female. That's, that's God's plan. In the home, uh, throughout history, that's what it is. We all know that in our, in our nation now, uh, our nation, sadly... Uh, by its legislative system, has redefined uh, what the home can look like uh, and many people's minds should look like. Uh, but we know that God very clearly, uh, His design is one man, one woman. Very clear. Uh, it's also part of God's design that divorce is not a factor. It's to be one man, one woman for life. That's God's design. Now, we understand that there's people in here that have been divorced, uh, gone through a divorce, uh, maybe you've been remarried since then, but we know that's not God's design. That's not what God, he said, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. It's not man's place to take apart what God joins together. 
Um, and again, if our marriage, which we've already seen in Ephesians chapter 5, is to be the picture of what our relationship with Christ is to look like, then if we consider what sin and divorce do, then that's exactly what happens in our relationship with God the Father. When sin enters in, there becomes a separation. There's a divorcement between right fellowship with God. And so again, both of it by sin, both of it not part of God's design. Because again, we know, go back to the Garden of Eden. God put Adam in the garden, told him to take care of it. Saw it wasn't good that man was alone, so he put him to sleep. Made woman out of one of his ribs. Gave it to man. He said it's going to be woman uh, because it came from man. And that's what God's design was. And we know what happens from there. The serpent comes along, tempts Eve. Eve gives in, gives to Adam. Adam sins. Sin becomes a part of the human race from that point forward. But it wasn't God's perfect design. Now, yes, in God's ultimate plan and his ultimate, his, his providence, his, his, his foreknowledge of everything that was going to happen, of course he had a plan for it all. He knew Adam was going to be in that garden, knew he was going to be hiding, yet he comes along and asks him, Adam, where are you? He wasn't asking Adam that because that God didn't know what, where he was. He was asking Adam that question because he wanted Adam to realize where he was. And that was out of fellowship, in sin, hiding himself from, from God. And so, again, God's design, uh, his perfect design has been messed up by sin all along. And again, relationships are no exception to this. So we know God gave to Moses, again, not part of his plan, but because of the hardness of man's heart, gave to Moses a bill of divorcement. And I say all of that because in our text we see this responsibility of leadership, not only in the marriage, as we've already seen with a husband and wife, but now in the home with children involved. It lies upon the man. And uh, again, I know we have some single moms in here and uh, say, well, so how is this going to apply to me? The wife and the mother, very clearly in Scripture, is to be the, the homekeeper, the, the manager, uh, if you will, of the home. But it is of that which the husband, who is supposed to be following Christ, again, is not only living out by his example, but is also directing and instructing for the home to follow. So that's the wife's responsibility in the home. So we say, okay, well, if the husband and the father is the leader, not the dictator, but the leader in the home, then what does it look like for single moms? What it looks like for, for when, when the man has left or when the man has even passed away? What does it look like? That responsibility for the Christian mother falls on her. Falls on her. And that, that is what God's plan is. Again, it's not God's plan. We know that, that death happens. We know that also by sin, divorce happens. Um, but again, that's what God's plan is. Let me go back to this thought of the man's leadership in the home because the man's leadership in the home is not to be uh, of the authoritarian type, if you will. Um, or put another word, as I said a while ago, dictatorship. It's not to be a dictatorship. And I know old school thought was uh, growing up, which, you know, I, I grew up in that home too. Look, I am the dictator. <laughs> You're in my house. You do what I tell you to do, period. And to an extent, that's true. Um, you know, we said before, I brought you into this world to take you out, all that kind of stuff. Um, but it's not to be Napoleon-like. It's not to be, I am the ultimate ruler. Uh, not, and, and again, because along with that, that mindset, along with that top leadership top, uh, comes along this thought as well. You do as I say, even if I don't do it. And that's, that's where a lot of leadership goes off track, and that's where a lot of 
uh, homes and even fathers and even mothers get off track in leading their kids and training their kids the way that God wants them to go. Don't worry about what I do. You just do what I tell you to do. Right? And that's unfortunate because kids then begin to see uh, a, a double standard. Right? They begin to see, well, okay, so once I reach a certain age, it's okay if I do this. It's okay, it's okay if I don't do this. Um, you know, we, we, we say this before, you know, would you, would you be okay with your daughter doing this? Would you be okay with your son doing this? Well, no, but they're this young, you know. We, and we know there, there's certain things, of course, are for adults. I'm not talking about that. Um, but, uh, again, oftentimes we have a different standard uh, because we think, well, I'm the mother, I'm the father. But if we look at Christ, and we already talked about his relationship with the church and our relationship with him and inside of the home and all that kind of stuff, no doubt Christ has ultimate authority. He is God overall, so he is sovereign. Yet his leadership, which we are all as his followers supposed to follow, and specifically as fathers in the home, as husbands in the home, uh, we are supposed to follow his perfect leadership example. And what was that? What was Christ's perfect leadership example? It was servant leadership, right? He, he said that the Son of Man came uh, to serve. He also said to his disciples after he sat down and washed their feet one by one, he told them, as I've done to you, do also unto uh, to others. Follow the example of servant leadership. Again, effective leadership is servant leadership. Uh, in other words, you, you're going to be way more effective. And here, here's, how, here's how it plays out. Um, if you are wanting somebody to do something and you're responsible for something to get done and you're wanting somebody else to do something, what's the most effective way to do it? Just to say, do this. Or to get down there and show them, this is what needs to be done. This is how it needs to be done. Now I want you to do it. it, it it's easy. It's that second way. It's that, that servant leadership. Um, again, if you hold your kids or your grandkids to a higher standard than you do yourself, then listen to this. You're cultivating rebellion and failure. If you're holding your kids or your grandkids to a higher standard than you hold for yourself, then you're cultivating rebellion and failure. You're setting your kids, your grandkids up for failure. We're setting the next generation up for failure. If we have them, they can't do this. They can't do, go there. They can't. We would never want our grandkids to X. We would never want them, we never want our kids to, to Y. We would never want them to do this. And yet, we would allow ourselves to do that because, well, we're, we're exempt from that standard. Again, that's setting up our kids and grandkids for a rebellious response or a failed future. That's why I ask our leadership in this church to be here and to be engaged and to be faithful. To be not only in our vision, but help lead our vision and our mission. It's because that's what effective leadership does. And so I, I've shared with our leadership before, uh, we, we, we would want our kids to respond a certain way in our home. We would want our home to be uh, following our leadership uh, and, and so we would expect certain things from our kids and sadly because church for the most part is voluntary that type of demand that type of command that type of expectation that, that type of standard 
doesn't always apply when it comes to the Lord's house, his church. And so again, that's why I share with our leadership, we, if we're going to expect the whole church, if we're going to expect the body of Trinity Baptist Temple to, which according to God's will is what God's design is, to be engaged in the mission of the church, then every leader has got to be at that place of engagement and servant leadership. And so again, you know, we, 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 I, I battle against this because again, there's, there's different types of leadership that's out there. Um, and uh, there, there are those that say, if, if you're a leader, this is what you will do. And if you do not do it, you are not a leader. And, and, and that works, you know, I mean, it, it, but my desire has always been for our leadership. I put it out there. This is what God's word says. And this is what God has put me in a place. This is what is expected of us. And so you need as another, as a leader in this church, to see that and get on board of that. That's your responsibility as a leader. And then if you can't do that or you can't grab hold of that, then you need to, by the, the maturity and the responsibility that you carry, say, I can't lead. And, and excuse yourself from that leadership. Because if you're not doing it, you're not leading in it. And so again, that's, that's the, 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 it applies in the home and applies in the church. That's what effective leadership is. As I said a while ago, if, if we look back at the home and there's no man in the home for whatever reason, uh, then I want to say this before we move forward. Uh, moms, single moms, this responsibility falls on you as well. Uh, if, if the Lord has taken your spouse home, a grand, grandmother, same thing, um, if, um, or if, again, by divorce, then this, without question, falls to you. And so single moms... I, I charge you and challenge you to embrace this with the same passion as uh, the fathers are supposed to embrace. So notice first back in our text, the charge to the fathers, he says, provoke not your children to wrath. Now, what does that mean? How, how can you provoke your children uh, to wrath, uh, fathers? Well, I think there's several different ways, but one of the ways is if you have more than one child, uh, it can be done by favoritism. You can, you can favor one over the other. Uh, and it can cause, it can stir them up, provoke them uh, to, to be wrathful. Uh, I remember one of the things that uh, was so, it, it, was, it, was, it was humorous but at, at the time, but I, I saw their passion in it, and it was encouraging uh, later because we ended up being in the same situation, and that was uh, Dave and Vicki. Whenever Rochelle and I first started dating, um, I, I, it, it, was, it was very clear they were going to be exactly even with both Rochelle and Avery and everything. I mean, not Avery, Avery, Rochelle and Ashley. And, uh, and so, I, you know, it, it was just, it, it was, again, it was, it was funny because they were like, it was very, very clear. This was going to, nope, we, not, did, we didn't do that for this. We're going to do this. And, uh, and so it was, it was humorous. But as, again, as we grew on, we ended up having two girls. I, I saw uh-huh, that's, that's smart stuff right there. You avoid, pro avoid problems and uh, don't stir any up to wrath. Uh, so favoritism. But another way to stir up children to wrath is neglect. Oftentimes, uh, man is, is in and out of the home, not, not there and not engaged and, and, and not being what he's supposed to be. And again, it can set up a situation where the ch children get resentful uh, against the father. Um, and then by unreasonable demands. Uh, sometimes, unfortunately, dads uh, put demands on their kids uh, that are unreasonable. 
and uh, they laden them with things that end up being uh, just pro provoking uh, things that stir them to wrath. Um, and so that's, he says, don't do that. Don't stir your kids up to wrath, but on the contrary, the command is that they're to lead their children or raise their children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord's. In other words, they are to nourish us fathers, we are to nourish our children in their upbringing in God's instructions with righteous direction and righteous discipline. That's what it means. It means that we are to nourish them every day with God's instructions, with God's discipline. Every single day. That's to raise them in God's nurture and in his instruction. Train them and teach them in God's ways. So here it is. Don't stir them up to wrath. Don't live, don't live, don't be somebody opposite of what you expect your kids to be. Don't, don't have the mentality and the leadership example of do as I say, not as I do. Don't do that. Don't play favoritism. Don't neglect. Don't do any of those. Don't stir them up to wrath, but train them up. Train them and teach them in God's ways. So if you're a dad in here tonight, your greatest responsibility to your kids is to teach them and to train them in God's ways. It's not to ensure that they have an excellent education, which that's good in this world. I'm not saying it's bad. It's not that they become a successful athlete or career professional or CEO or whatever. That's not your primary responsibility as a father. Your primary responsibility, according to God's word, not my opinion, God's word, is that you would not stir your kids up to wrath, but you would teach them and train them in God's ways. Again, it's, it's, it's good to be successful in school. It's good to be successful in sports. It's good to be successful in, in extracurricular activities. But that's not your number one driving admonition from God. The number one thing that we have to ensure as fathers is that our kids are raised in God's instructions, in God's ways. But if we look around in our culture today and we look at even Christian culture today, if we look within the church, not, not particularly Trinity Baptist Temple, but the church overall, if we look at that and we say, how are men doing in this regard? I, I would have to say, and studies would show, studies would say that many men are failing at this. And teaching, primarily making sure their kids are taught and trained up in God's ways and God's word. Many men are failing at that. That's why there's, there's I believe, so much divorce even in uh, the, 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 the Christian realm is because so many men aren't being the husbands and aren't being the leaders in the home that they're supposed to be. But the question comes to, to, to surface is this. Why are men failing at this? Why, why are fathers, even Christian fathers, failing at their number one priority being teaching their kids to, in, the, in, in the ways of God, to, to know God's word, to follow God. Why are so many even Christian, Christian men, why are Christian men failing at doing this? I, I, I put down a few different things that are very clear in our culture today. And here they are. Number one, I believe this is one of the reasons why men are failing at teaching and training kids, uh, their kids in God's ways. Selfishness. Selfishness. So many men today are, are preoccupied with what they want and what they want to do that they're not focused on what their responsibility as a father, a Christian father, is supposed to be. And so, again, men get saturated with what they want to do. They get focused on their stuff. 
And, you know, mom's supposed to be taking care of that. And they don't focus on making sure the home, making sure that their kids are being taught and trained in God's ways. Second reason I believe it kind of goes alongside this is laziness. I talked about this at our men's retreat this past weekend. And, and it's real easy as men. You know, we, we have jobs. We have all these things going on in our life. And, and uh, we, we oftentimes just want to come home and chill and, and not have to worry about it. Again, mom's home. Mom's supposed to be doing this. Mom's doing that. Um, and, and, and we can just get lazy. We can just be disengaged and get lazy in our responsibility as husbands and fathers and specifically training our kids in God's ways. But laziness. That's what happens on the, the, the recliner. That's what happens on the couch. You come home, boom, lazy. No, I mean, I'm not saying that, that rest isn't needed and rest isn't good, but um, in, in every aspect most of the time, uh, men become lazy in this responsibility. And then also I think uh, fear is another reason why men aren't doing it today. Fear, and also think guilt is another reason why men are failing at this responsibility. The fifth reason I think is this, worldliness worldliness i think there's so many men that are wrapped up in the things of this world even inside the church that their primary concern is not that their kids know christ and walk with christ and know his word and are, are effective for his kingdom as they grow up that they're training in the nurture and the admonition of the lord again it's because they're worldly their mindset is i want my kid to be a ceo I want my kid to, to, to do this. I want my kid to, to do this in the world. I want them to have this much money and have this many things. I want them to be successful like this. That's, that's the mindset of so many men, even inside the church, is worldliness. And then, as I said a while ago, uh, with neglect, absence. Absence. See, it takes effort. It takes time to know and to walk with God and, in turn, instruct your kids, it takes selflessness. And so many men today, because, again, maybe because laziness or that selfishness, they don't invest that time themselves to know God, to know God's Word, so that they can turn and turn instruct their kids. So to what, what happens? Well, I have my kids in church. That's good. That's very vital and very important. It's a command to obey. When the church meets, Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. It's very important. But it's not the church's job to teach and to train your kids and raise them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. That's you fathers. That's us fathers. The church comes alongside the home, comes alongside the Christian home, comes alongside the Christian father who is daily seeking God's face, who is daily laboring and battling the spiritual warfare in his own home for his kids and teaching his kids how to, how to live right and, and talk right and, and, and do those things. And, and the church comes alongside and messages like this and Sunday school lessons next door and children's lessons next door and teaches the same exact thing. So that way when the kids come to church, they're hearing what dad and mom are saying at home. They're seeing it's real and sincere that Christians are sincere and real. And it starts with home. It starts with mom. It starts with dad. But as I said a while ago, failures also can cause men to feel guilty about what they expect and how they lead their homes. And maybe that's some dads in here. You have, have, maybe you've done certain things, fallen into certain sins. Maybe you're struggling with certain things right now. And 
you have a hard time expecting or holding your children to certain standards because of the guilt that's burdening you down because of the struggles in your life. There's a remedy for that. We talked about it Sunday. Repent. Get back in that right fellowship with God. Because holding on to sin, holding on to uh, being in a, in a wrong fellowship with God, the cost could be your kids not being trained the right way. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So just get it right. Get back right fellowship. Fear, as I said a while ago, can also do that and say, how can fear do it? Uh, fear of making kids mad. Of losing their kids' like button <laughs> for their parenting. You know, uh, so many parents are driven by that. Oh, I just want my kids to like me. I don't want things to be rough and rocky at home. I, you know, if I have rules and standards and, and my kids buck against it, it just be chaos and, and frustration at home. I, I don't want that. I just want my kids to like me. Don't let fear drive how you train and teach your kids. Let love and trust in God. As I said, worldliness can do that. Uh, again, worldliness being completely out of touch with what God's will is and what's necessary to spiritually train and instruct their kids. And, I, and I'm afraid there's a lot of fathers in that situation in the church today as well, in the overall church today. There's so many fathers that are so worldly, they don't even know what to do or where to begin to train their kids. Again, their mindset is, I, I bring my kids to church and that's what's supposed to, that's supposed to help my kids grow up the right way. No, it's your responsibility, dads. It's our responsibility. Something I came across a while back, and I shared it again this past weekend at our men's retreat. Um, I, I want to read it. It's, it's just a, a little short little article that I came across. Just listen to what it says. This is by Carl Truman. He says this, The church is losing its young people because parents never taught their children that it was important. Now, it's not just church as an event, like we're, we're here tonight or a gathering. This is a, a church gathering. This is a worship service. Uh, but specifically the church, the body, both when it gathers and it's in its mission when it's apart as well. And so he says, the church is losing its young people because parents never taught their children that it was important, that the body of Christ is important. In a Q&A, Carl Truman was asked about why churches today are losing their young people. Typical answers to this question range from things like temptation of the world or irrelevance of the church today, where the church is just irrelevant in modern culture. Typical answers. But Truman makes a keen and convicting connection between our parenting and the apostasy of young people today. This is what he said. The church is losing its young people because the parents never taught their children that it was important. I think that applies across the board. It applies to family worship. It also applies to whether you are in church every Sunday and what priority that you demonstrate to your children that church has on a Sunday or a Wednesday. If the sun shines outside and their friends are going to the beach or the lake, do you decide to skip church and, and go to the beach? In which case, you send signals to your children that it's not important or as important. Now, we know that artificially taking your kids to church neither bestows salvation nor guarantees it. So just showing up at church is not guaranteeing that your kids are going to be saved or anything like that. God obviously is not honored by external religious acts without true, sincere heart worship. This type of legalism is not the subject 
of this article. This is about parenting and the weight of the responsibility behind how they prioritize their time and lifestyle choices for their families. Parents make choices all the time for their families. As they decide on what takes priority in family, every choice is carefully observed and taken into the heart of the children. Yes, they are watching you and learning from you. Maybe the reason why our children have no love for Christ is due to the fact that we as parents do not show any love or passion for Christ, evidenced by how we prioritize our time both on Sundays and throughout the week. When television, sports, school, hobbies, even family itself, when they are elevated to a place of idolatry, and replace the vital Christian responsibilities, then we tell our children that Christ is secondary to all of these other things. We tell our children that it's not necessary. Listen, it's not necessary to take up your cross and die to yourself daily in order to follow Christ. What we tell them is that you only have to live for Christ when it's convenient for you. We tell them that it's okay to sacrifice time with your all-satisfying Savior if something more fun or more important comes along. And this sounds like a clear path to apostasy, if you ask me. He goes on to say, let's evaluate where our hearts are by observing our choices. Do you prioritize the local church? Do you prioritize the worship of Christ? Not only on Sundays and when the church gathers, even on Wednesdays, but do you prioritize the worship of Christ in your home? Do you prioritize serving Him and worshiping Him in the context of school and work? This doesn't mean that you can't ever miss a Sunday if you're sick or on vacation, or it doesn't even mean that you can't have a life of, of, of activities in, in this world. Instead, it's a sobering reminder that we shouldn't put the things of God at the bottom of the priority list because it tells our children that Christ is at the bottom of our priority list. And the God of this universe doesn't belong there. He says, my prayer is that we would improve in this area, but beware. Maybe we don't see this because Christ isn't a priority in our lives. And if he isn't a priority in our lives, then our children will know and they will follow suit. The same sentiment of this article is echoed in this video that I want to show. And if you guys will show that. Could you give a challenge to the Western church and the Western yeah. world? Okay. And then anything else that's burning in your heart. So okay. Okay. I'm pretty excited when I see the faith of some of the young people today that are just saying, God, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. There wasn't a lot of that when I grew up. Um, but what happened with those who did have that spark and that excitement, I saw how the church almost squashed them. Um, and I'm praying for this next generation, for the young people who are just saying, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. 
and they're doing it. They're going overseas or they're, you know, right where they're at in the inner cities or in their own suburbs, just going, you know, I'm going to be radical. I'm going to follow Jesus completely. I want it all. I'm, I'm not about the games and, and about, okay, entertain me to death in, in the church. I want to follow Jesus and I want to experience him. And I guess my challenge to the church is, is for those that are maybe my age or those who are uh, um, even further along, it's like, would you set the example for the young people? Because what happened um, in my generation when we were younger, uh, there were those who were radical, but there weren't people, once they got married, everything changed. Once they had kids, everything changed. And I'm just praying, oh God, could I be an example of someone who's married and has kids and is still thinking kingdom first? Like saying, you know, like 1 Corinthians 7, those who are married should live as though they're not. Uh, there's a sense in which this mission is bigger and can we still live and take risks and still surrender our lives and, and say, you know what, it's me, my wife, my family, I wanna demonstrate to them, you know what, look, when we follow Christ, yeah, that was a little scary, yeah, that might've been a little dangerous, yeah, that was not the, you know, logical move to make, but God did call us that direction and let's head that way. And I want my kids to experience what it, what it looks like when we live by faith. But not only that, I want to be an example to the young people to say, you know what, your, your mission with the Lord doesn't end when you get married and suddenly, oh, well, you're dating, so focus on each other. And oh, it's your first year of marriage, you know, just focus on each other. And oh, you just had a kid, you know what, then, then take time for that, that little kid and until he goes to school, then you'll be free. But then once they're in school, it's like, oh, they're teenagers now, just collect that family together and worry about yourselves, but then you're... You're teaching them this mentality that, again, is not about going out in the harvest and being a worker. It's about let's protect our family now. Now let's keep us safe. Let's find some gated community and, you know, and keep them all in our house, away from all the bad people. And that's, <laughs> there's no excuse for that. That is not what, you, you can't find that in this book. It's about living for him and you're missing out. Not only are you missing out on life, but your children are missing out on life when you do that. That's why so many of the kids, when they turn 18, they just ditch God altogether because they didn't see anything real in your life. They, they didn't see that adventure and, and you didn't put yourself in positions where God had to come through and then he comes through and your whole family was going, wow, that was amazing. I am never going to leave that God. No, you just created a little bubble for yourself where how was God even gonna operate in, in that? And, I don't know, I, I don't want to be negative, I don't want to sound negative, I'm just, I just get sad because I go, not only are you missing out on life, but we are turning away our children by the droves because our lives are not the adventure that they see in scripture and they are not experiencing the Holy Spirit. They're experiencing like a Christian version of the American dream that's watered down and, and we just make excuses for really idolizing our families um, rather than really putting Christ in the mission first. Wow. So turning away in droves. And, you know, I think, is that, is that what we would be okay with with our generation that's coming up? I don't know, there's dads and moms all throughout here. There's kids all in here. And it just makes me kind of sick what he said that when the, there's so many of them turning 18 and they're just 
walking away from the church because, he said, what they saw at home and what they saw at church, it just became, it wasn't real. And he was talking about our kids aren't seeing the adventure that they see all throughout Scripture. You know, they come and they, they hear lessons about David and, and Paul and Peter and all these men and even women, you know, Hannah, uh, Ruth, all, all these, these people of God who had to trust God and, and God took them on a great adventure, took them on a, an amazing journey of faith. And, but our, our kids today, and he, I think he nailed, he nailed it on the head when he said what they're seeing is more like a, a Christian version of the American dream. It's more about living for us and what we want, and then we just Christianize it. We go to church, we, we try to do right and good, but are we truly passionately following Christ, living it out, carrying out his mission, emphasizing the kingdom of God, emphasizing the local church? Is that what our kids are seeing? Is that what they're being trained up to do? And so love rule 32 tonight. As fathers and mothers, primary responsibility to their children is to point them to Christ by example and by instruction. So let me ask you this, dads, <clears throat> single moms, do our kids see that it's real through us? Do, do our kids see that Christ is real, that the church is his blood-bought body, that the mission that he left his children here in this filthy world to accomplish is his mission handed to us to accomplish until he returns. Is that what they see? Is, is, is that, that mission from Almighty God to seek and to save the lost, to, that, that none would perish no, not one. That mission that, again, he leaves us here to accomplish. Do they see, well, that mission's not as important. We don't ever talk about that mission. We never attend that mission. We never have anything to do with that mission. But we have a mission of education. We have a mission of athletics. We have a mission of success in this world. And that is an important mission. But the mission that God has for his church bought by his blood it's not important because that's what all the people in the new testament were on and when our kids read these these journeys of faith and then they don't see that in this in this reality of their life a disconnect begins to happen this is fairy tale and this is reality and that's where i think that we have done grave injustice to the next generation again something i shared this last weekend and i want to encourage you to write this down but what we teach or don't teach the next generation about christ and his church think about this think about this real seriously what we teach or don't teach about christ and his church to the next generation might be the difference of another great awakening and the apostasy, the great apostasy.
You want to read something amazing, go, go back and read about the Great Awakening and the Second Awakening in America. I mean, amazing stuff. God swept across this nation in England, and, and, and it was just a, an amazing move of God throughout this nation. It happened in, in, in colleges, and it began to spring up in, in, in villages and cities, and, and this, this Great Awakening, this spiritual uh, revival happened across this nation, and it wasn't anything but the hand of God moving in his people and through the church and then it happened again a second awakening and I, there's no doubt in my mind that if the church the people of god would get back on board with being the church with would, would would fall in love back in love with our savior when we died for us if we if we got back on board with that there's no doubt in my mind that that I, that my girls that all the kids in, in this room could possibly be the generation that sees another great awakening It is also just as real to me that they could see, that we could watch, that we all could sit back as great-grandfathers and grandmothers, as grandmothers and grandfathers, eventually. A generation care less about God than anything else. And that, that's sickening to me, to, to, to see these little kids in here, to know our teenagers the next, next door and to think that when they turn 18 and they become a, adults, that they would walk away and say, I, I would rather be doing this than doing that. I'd rather have this money. I'd rather have this fame. I'd rather have this, this than sacrifice and, and give up my Sundays and give up my Wednesdays and, and you know, awkwardly talk to people about Christ. I, I'd much rather do this stuff than this stuff. Dads and moms, let's determine tonight to be the most devoted to this than we ever have before. And I say this with, with great gravity before it's too late. Before it's too late. Because none of us know whenever our, our kids are going to get to that place where, where in their mind and in their heart it switches. This isn't real. This doesn't matter. And then in the home, I, I could care less about church. They become a teenager, and I, I, I don't want to do that. And you got to drag them. They're not engaged. Before it's too late, let's make that determination. And I want to challenge you fathers tonight as a close. You look at those kids. Some of you have them next to you. Grandfathers, grandmothers, I want to say something to y'all too. They're watching y'all. They're watching y'all. What the people in authority in their life see, what show them, that's what they'll see as a reality. And if grandmothers and grand, grandfathers in here, if it's, not, if it's not a priority to you, you're, 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 you're showing that to your grandkids as well. It's not as important as this. It's not as important as me, as my stuff. It's not as important as this stuff. And that needs to change before it's too late. I want to challenge you tonight. I want to ask you to stand. And um, they're going to play some music. Are you coming, Brother Zach, or is it just okay?
I want to pray after I pray, they're going to begin. We'll just use this. Um, I want to encourage you to come to the altar. Maybe just start tonight. God, I don't want that to happen to my kids. I, I want to see a great awakening. I don't, I don't want to see a great apostasy. If you're a dad, God, help me be the one that's teaching and training my kids in your ways. If you're a grandfather, God, help me be that example for my son, my daughter, my grandkids. Let me put you first and let it be a priority. Let's, let's make a change if a change needs to happen tonight or re, maybe recommit uh, what we've already committed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge that you've given me in this. Lord, it, it makes me sick to my stomach to think that we could see a, a generation that's coming up turn away from you. Kids in this room, the next room, I can't stand that thought. It, it, it's a haunting thought. Lord, I, I don't want that at all. So God, I pray tonight, this message tonight is a challenge and a charge to all of our men, all of our dads, our grandfathers, but also to our mothers, our grandmothers. Lord, help us to put you first. Help us to, to demonstrate that you are priority above everything else in this world, that there's nothing in this world that even comes close to being as important as you. God, you saved us by your grace. You shed your blood. You gave us an eternal home. God, one second in heaven, we'll realize just how important that is. God, help us not wait our entire lives and get there and realize it before it's too late to live for you in this world. Lord, help us to live now with complete abandon, taking up our cross daily and following you. I pray that you move now. I praise you for all of it, Lord, in Jesus' name.